What's up, basketball fans? This is Jason Amar, along with my boy, Andy Cordell. And this is 808s and Fast Breaks, a bi-weekly basketball discussion that rarely ends up being about just basketball. Welcome back to 808s and Fast Breaks. My name is hey. Jason here with my good friend Andy. Hey, hey. And and uh and we're kind of fired up. Uh, oh. We're fired up. We're fired up about <laughs> Travis Scott. <laughs> uh we were just talking about Travis Scott right before we hit record. And oh um <laughs> talking about how everyone kind of forgot about that whole uh that whole yeah, Astro World thing, and just you know, he's had to stay in the in the dark for a little while, and this next album's gonna be full of fucking bangers. <laughs> 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 and, uh, I'm here for it, man. I'm here for it. As a fan of Travis Scott's music, this was a this this is like the last six months or whatever it was are, are a pretty good timeline, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, the thing is, it, not it, saying it, that that should have happened. I'm just saying him staying home is good, <laughs> right? Well, the other thing too that you know we we forget with the whole Astral World thing, but Astral World came out a while back. He's been working on music throughout this whole time, and I think the six months, like I think, whenever artists, whether it's forced through like allegations or like whatever the case is going on, if they're secluded for you know, a large period of time, I think that's when really good art comes out. I think, like, the primary example would be, like, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, right? Kanye yeah. just locking hey, himself... Or, or the Carter Four. Or the Carter Four. Oh, wow, great album, too. Yeah. All, all of that comes from isolation. I think Travis might drop his best album yet. Like, Dude, World was so good. And yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. It's just... I'm looking forward to his music because, dude, like, the world needs a little bit of rage and positivity and feeling good and travis does that for me yeah i think people need something to channel emotion into oh yeah travis does that best yeah he's really good at it Mm -hmm. and also i've been listening and the reason i bring it up is i've been listening to a lot of birds in the trap sing about mcknight lately that's like such a good album album. i just can can i I need to ask you that's that's the best travis scott album right i don't think it's a debate you don't think it's a debate, huh? Because it's that one, then Astro World, and then um, Rodeo. Jeez, man. God, some old Travis was really good too. Days Dude, before Rodeo's fire too, honestly. That's the, what I was the, gonna the, say. You know, really mixtape wise, honestly. that mix doesn't make wise. it. That doesn't make it in the top. Like that's just a. Dude, Birds in the Trap is a different stratosphere of music. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a sonic experience. It feels like you're in a movie theater. If you listen to that shit loud when you're in the car, it's shit bumps, man. It's it's different. Dude, production I'm, is different. I I have to disagree. That's I insane think, to me. I'm glad we have our differences, because, dude, I love that album, dude. I love Birds in the Trap, but. The first time I heard Astro World straight through was out of body experience for me. 
because everything that Travis had done up to that point was as pristine and clean as possible. The production on the album is just pop, like just straight clean. But what's crazy is like, you know, you have like artists and mixing engineers that do things like Mike Dean, for example, working on Astro World with Travis, and he's really good at making things sound super big and distorted, but nothing's actually like out of pocket. And I think everything that embodies Travis Scott as an artist was perfected on Astro World. I think that was his like stamp on being like, yeah. All right. I think I think I can I can agree with that piece of it. Because I think he I think if you were to ask him, like that's probably his favorite work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But like I also think that's just because he edged his fans for like five years for that album. So I think that that just like plays into it as well. What's funny though is I never really was like on that train. I didn't know, really... but I mean, like, I mean, like, that's just like more for him. More for him, I like, guess. That's probably why he views it as like a better work. But like, dude, I don't know. There's just to me, there's something about, and I'm sure it is like actually like the, the chords or something that like the way they they hit me. But like, and it probably, dude, you know what it is? Like, I'm sure someone's done the research. It probably is like a lot of like minor chords that make me feel like weird, make me feel some type of way throughout that. I'm sure you could tell me if you want to listen to it. You're like fluctuating like moods. I don't know. I don't know music enough to tell to tell you, but I know like I know minor chords make you feel some type of way. Mm-hmm. Like scary and haunting. A, a lot of ways. a lot of hip hop is based on minor. Um mm-hmm. and the the cool thing about minor is like you can make so many different types of feelings with just different inversions of chords and how things are played, how they feel and resonate with your body and stuff. And Travis is really yeah. good with that in melody, especially with his singing on Birds and Trap of McKnight. Like that's the one thing that I'll give him credit for. He like really tried to stretch and broaden his horizons dude, on that incredible. album. It's incredible. And honestly, yeah. dude, like way back, way back might be like my favorite Travis Scott work just because of the way the production fluctuates throughout the song and makes it feel like, I don't know if you've listened to that song recently. Oh, no, I've, I've listened to this album uh, probably like a month ago, actually, because okay. I have Travis on but, shuffle quite a lot. Yeah. But way back, dude, there's literally like, I don't know if there's like a, there probably people could argue this, like this is not, this is up for debate, of course. Right. Matter of opinion, but way back is like a really like amazing example of like ingenuity and in production. Like, I think it's, like, Kanye levels of genius. Because it loops, the way it loops, the, like, the beat loops and it switches, but then it slowly, like, loops back to the original beat, and then it hits you right after he says way back for the last time, which is just fucking sick. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I mean, may be I may be a simple guy, but that shit hits me. Dude, I, I feel <laughs> the same way with uh, Coordinate. Dude, that's dope. It's an underrated and, song. Uh, dude, uh, SDP interlude, smoke some, drink some, pop hey, one. Guidance. Dude, Guidance. Guidance uh, is then, a banger. And the, Dude, even the, the most popular song, Beebs in the Trap, bro, that shit. That's not the most popular song. Goosebumps is on that. Oh, that Goosebumps? Up. I think Beebs in the Trap is more the phone. popular. Pick, pick up the phone oh, is Pick up the phone, too. baby. Yeah, pick up the phone played a lot. I guess Beebs in the Trap slime. is probably... Yeah, absolutely. Free slime. Um, <laughs> have you seen that video, dude? Of yeah. he's the one. He's, he's the, the one, one that is called K. 
King Slime. Oh <laughs> That's amazing, God. dude. They got, they're going to make that such a hard intro. Bro, please free Young Thug to drop, like, the hardest song. Like, dude, King Slime? Like, how badass is that? Like, yeah. God, that's so cool, you know? I mean, it, it's not it's not cool, these allegations and stuff, but no. that's a dope title. Dude, you, you, you know what? You should mix uh, that recording, sample it, and mix it into some intro for us on here, or outro. Oh, just like mix it in. Yeah, I, I can He's do He's the one they call, they call King, King Slime. slime. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it's the way he was talking, too. It is, like, dude. It's just so know. white. That's why it's so funny. Oh, my God. It cracks me up. It cracks me up. That shit. He was so serious when he said that. Like, no thought of him laughing was in his mind. He was like, nah, this is King Slime. <laughs> was right. Like, I can't, I can't. How do you say that? How do you say that with a straight face? Yeah, Deadpan <laughs> continued his sentence. With more superlatives, I think. I think he said more crazy shit about him, too. Dude, just insane, man. I just, oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. It's definitely, definitely going to be the hardest intro ever. Um, but should we should we talk some basketball, dude? That was a yeah, fun. I, yeah. I, I, I know you weren't expecting me to actually bring that up when we started recording, but I had to. Dude, yeah, I mean, I'm down for it, dude. Wow. Hey. Uh, as me and Andy have noted, sometimes I think we need to, we need to, we need to record the part in our in our podcast room here, right before the podcast actually starts. And I say, "Welcome back to Fast Breaks." We get some gold content that we don't, we don't post. <laughs> that we yeah. don't post. So yeah. <laughs> I think we're gonna try and uh, try and get that out somehow. Yep. Yep. Um, but let's talk some basketball, man. The Warriors are NBA champions once again. Congratulations! Eight years. Congratulations! Eight years, nine years, eight years. Math. Fourth and eight years. Truly a dynasty. Um, you won another ten bucks off me, <laughs> so congrats on that. <laughs> um, and we can kind of get into like. You know, our, our favorite moments from the Warriors run. I'm wearing the Lakers hat for a reason. I can go back to, to fuck Boston, fuck the Warriors. You know, it's it's time for the, the true kings of the NBA to come back. We're on the quest <laughs> for 18 as well. So I'm wearing, wearing this hat with a purpose today. But I kind of want to dive into a few different things. Um, you let me know where you want to go because I have two pointed kind of things for either. Would you like to go Celtics or Warriors angles first on this? Uh, Celtics. Okay. So the Warriors win this in six games. They win it on the Celtics floor. Mm-hmm. Um, game six was, I'd say, a historically bad performance for Tatum in his career. Um, and the Celtics look completely disjointed. Um, one of the only bright spots, I think, two or two bright spots in the lineup uh, as they got their fucking teeth kicked in by the Warriors on their home court. And that would be Jalen Brown and Al Horford. Um, three, excuse me, Rob Williams. Rob Williams. Yeah, Rob Williams. And Jason Tatum looked out of his element completely. We talked last episode whether that might have been due to injury. Um, but I think it's kind of time that we bring back this discussion that seemed like it shouldn't be a discussion anymore after the season that Tatum had. Um, and I honestly don't think it's recency bias. Um to be clear just with this, because I've always been a Jalen Brown truther, you could say, but 
let's have the Tatum versus Brown discussion again. Um, who is truly a better number one option on a championship team? I still um, think. I still think and, it's Tatum. And that's fair. Okay, that's fair. And there's one other angle to this. And I, and I say, w- would that be different if Jalen Brown like had the opportunity in this hypothetical world to like go to a different team? This is not going to happen. I'm not saying trade either one of these guys. It's not. They just went to a fucking finals for God's sakes. It's not going to happen. But in a world where he was able to lead his own team, do you think that maybe he would have more accolades than a Tatum-led Celtics team? I think that's kind of like how I would want to think uh, about so it. So if they were on separate teams and they if both they had were pretty even teams, teams who, who would, would have the be better? the one? Assume they're like fight. You know, they play the same position for the most part. Dan's a little bit taller, but like who would be getting that first team all NBA spot more consistently? I'm sure they'd be trading it off some years, right? Mm-hmm. In in a realistic scenario, right? But who do you think is like truly the better number one option on a championship team in that like hypothetical world where they're both allowed to lead their own teams? I still think Jason. Um, and okay. So here's my reasoning behind this. And I think it's just as apparent from, from both players. Okay. Jason has a more fluid shot creating game. Um, Jalen can score from everywhere, but one thing is like, I don't truly feel like it's necessarily as easy and as fluid as it can be from Jason. He's kind of more of a fluid ball handler he's i i would say more fluid on his feet on offense and both of them turned the ball over extremely poorly um this offseason so i'm not going to try to knock on both of them but what i do feel is with jason tatum taking so much of the playmaking responsibility and iso situations at the same time when he's playmaking, I think that should factor into account how much he has the ball more than Jalen at times before those ISO situations. And so that means that Jason up to this point has showed this is his limit as far as we know right now of his playmaking capabilities and what he can handle. If you make Jalen the number one, you're going to put the ball in his hands as much as Tatum, if not more, since they're both on separate teams now. I don't know how that would translate to all NBA because I don't trust him to be the main ball handler of a team. He could be the number one option on offense, but I truly feel like he needs the presence of somebody with other gravity or he needs to like work all off season to be able to get his handle to the point where it needs to be. Okay, That's fair. I think that's a fair point, but my kind of like critique of that is I think, I, I feel the same way about Tatum and that last point you're making where I think like we just saw it throughout the whole playoffs. Like, and this is like no indictment. Like the, he of course deserve, he's like over the course of this last season, he was one of the five best players. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's a fair statement. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying he's a, a top five player in the NBA, but over the course of this last season, he was one of the five best players. You know, that those are different statements for people that under, don't understand yeah. that nuance. <laughs> um, but 
even even throughout that, like because in seasons before, what was the big thing the Celtics needed? A point guard. It's like been the big thing. Even now, people still think they need a point guard, even though Smart has done a pretty admirable job throughout the regular season and through most of the playoffs. I think even you think he was pretty banged up, so I'm, I'm going to give yeah. him a pass um, for this finals, especially his last couple games. But um, I just think that same thing where you're saying like you need a you need someone to like actually create the shots. Like Tatum's a better playmaker passer. Like I think that's definitely true. But I think Jalen has him beat in terms of actually getting downhill, drawing fouls, um, getting to the rim. I think he, from a mentality standpoint, is way better than Tatum there. Um, Tatum settles for the same. He's just got to add more to his bag, honestly. Like, he's amazing, but he's got to add more. Like, he, he has the same kind of side hop step jumper that he does. He doesn't shoot in the mid range like nearly as much as he should. He gets mismatches all the time and doesn't like just does not take advantage of them for some reason in the mid range. I'm saying, mm-hmm. and I don't know what that is. Like he's just gotta like, he's just gotta do it. Like you know, I don't know. Um, Where one, could I make a quick point about Jason Tatum's it. shot selection? So ironically, his rookie season, um a lot of the threes that he was shooting on top of the key from like pin downs and running was actually in the mid range. Um, He used to shoot twos very well, actually. But the problem was in the Brad Steven offense, he was like, it wasn't worth it. And the modern NBA today has kind of moved and pushed him to the three point line. And what I think now is that He's already proven he could hit them. He was hitting them since his rookie year. The problem is his shot selection has changed, and now he settles more. That's what right? I'm saying. With these jump shots. And I still, th- I still think he has that mid-range game. He just needs to use it. That's exactly uh, what I'm saying. It's, mad, it's, like it's even worse because he, he, like he's proven that he can do it, and he chooses not. It's, that's what I'm saying. Like Jalen Brown has him completely beat from like a mentality standpoint, like I'm going to rip your heart out standpoint. Like, like in a one-on-one, like when they play one-on-one, I bet you Jalen Brown beats him a lot more than people think. Because, dude, they they play one-on-one a lot. There's no way they don't. Yeah. Just in practice and shit. Like, yeah. I bet you Jalen Brown, like, wins that matchup a lot. You know? Yeah, dude, it's, it's probably kind of pretty crazy. Close to, it's probably pretty close to 50-50, but, like, I think if you, like, win and ask, like, Celtics fans or, like, normally, like, you know, I think probably, like, yeah, Tatum probably handles him pretty well. But, like, like NBA players don't like they play to be usually two dribble one on one, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, dude, there's no way that Jalen Brown's not winning a lot of those, you know. Okay, I agree. I just wonder if like you put him in that number one option, will his skill set translate just as well as I think Tatum's would? And that's kind of like you know that's the. I think it if. would. I think it would. Just because, and the only reason I say that is because he was just the number one option through six finals games. Yeah. Yeah. Which is four. Four. After the after Tatum proved that he wasn't going to be. What sucked too was like this is why I'm like open minded about it, because I, you know, obviously I still think Tatum would be a, a better first option, but the the ironic thing was Jalen was actually never the first option. He was the half the time he was the bailout guy. And if if the offense had run through him first more, because 
I don't care anybody that watched the finals. We all knew for the most part Tatum was setting it up. And there was a lot of times Jalen stood still for the first like five, six seconds of the offense because he's not really setting that up. If Ime Udoka had given the ball to him to start, I'm I'm curious to have seen like from the start, you're really our number one option. We're going to funnel you all the way through, Jalen. And then Tatum, you're going to be off ball a lot. I wonder if that would have changed the outcome of the series. Well, yeah, well, I mean, like, of course, it will. I mean, well, that's like something that's like a hard. We'll never know. That's like kind of why right. I posed it as like if he had his own team in this hypothetical world, you know? Right, right. Because it's hard, like, because then it's just like hard. Then it feels like we're te- like really like tearing one down to like bring up another. And I was like trying mm. to avoid that, you know? That that's fair. That's fair. You know? Yeah, I guess. I guess. Well, that's my big question mark with Jalen, and because I didn't see it. And I just I know. mean I don't know how you didn't see it is my thing because like here's the thing every time every time Tatum yes like Tatum got doubled but like he he handled that like horribly Jalen Brown got doubled in the last four games of the finals and handled it way better he still turned the ball over a lot but like he had a way better field goal percentage for it got free throws way more like still had way more aggression like. He looked better rebounding the ball. It's just like all that stuff that like I think like actually matters in a playoffs. So it's like it's here's I think a good way to put it. My I think it's kind of getting to the point where you remember how NBA players always say there's 82 game players and there's 16 game players. Yeah. Like yeah. Jalen Brown is a 16 game player. Game player. Yeah. Like he's a dog. I think Tatum, like, he was clearly injured, just grabbing his shoulder for like half the playoffs, right? Uh, and that's from the conference mid conference finals on, but like maybe, like maybe he's an eighty two game player, you know. I don't know, because so we just like we just saw him not kind of like Chris Paul, like he can get far, but he can't like he can't hold on and be your guy all the way through. And you, you feel know? like Jalen might be that better option, and I think Jalen like might be better at being that guy. Hmm. for the playoffs you know like he still needs someone with him like you know like as as most superstars do do. like i don't think it's an indictment of anyone to be like well he couldn't do it by himself like no one does that's stupid no one does um so like he's gonna have another all-star on his team in this hypothetical team say he goes to like the magic and they like have another all-star they go to the he goes to the wizards he's playing with bradley beeler some bullshit i don't know random shit right um like he, I, th- I think you get to the playoffs, like, you assume he has the good supporting cast, all that shit, right? I think he's, like, he'd be a really good leader from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. I could see it. Still, still need a true both... point Still, They both need a true point guard with them. And they're still both young. I think we have to make that statement. Like, we're, we're talking 24 about... 24 and 25, right? Youthful. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think Jalen Brown's 25. And, like... That's where it's like, you know, we're obviously critiquing, but I think next season is going to be a huge indicator, especially from the regular season jump, right? Because, like, that's the thing. Like, taking a loss like that, like, that's how I felt with Devin Booker at the beginning of the playoffs. I was like, nah, this man's going to come running. And then someone named Luka Magic slapped him in the fucking face. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, but that's just how I feel like every player that touches the finals and doesn't win it, it's like they come back hungrier. And I'm hoping that Tatum and Jalen, whatever they do, because none of them are moving. This is this is going to be Boston for the next like two to three years with small yeah. adjustments. Yeah, so, I think three years at a minimum. 
Yeah, so like if you look at that from that standpoint, it's like if they both get better and then they start switching the roles from number one, it's like Boston's gonna be Boston's gonna be set for a while, dude. They have the they have the pieces. They just maybe need to make a few tweaks. Yeah. To really no, I mean move they're gonna run it back. Least. Like they're gonna be really good again. Like this was uh, I wanted to have this discussion just because it's like super first take sort of thing. Right. Like just based on and like based on what happened. And also I've always been a bigger fan of Jalen Brown's game. Like as they were coming up, I think in the last five years or so, I was always a bigger fan of Jalen Brown's game, you know? Um, so it was cool to see him have a, just a really good performance in the playoffs mm. as well. So I wanted to have that discussion, but it's like the Celtics had a crazy run. That was awesome. Like most, you know, one of the most beautiful runs like ever through, yeah, they, through they the East well. this year played super great as a team they had the yeah. hardest road in the playoffs that like anyone i think could have had they played the previous champs they played the like the vegas favorites in the nets they played the number one actual number one seed in miami, miami. so it's like yeah. they basically just they played the three favorites and then they played the title favorites again playing the warriors when they actually got to the finals so it's like they actually had like the most difficult road possible um so when you look at that not trying to take anything away from the Warriors here, but they had a pretty easy road to the finals. Mm-hmm. You know, they played the Nuggets, who only had Nikola Jokic and were hampered by injuries. They played the the Grizzlies, who had Morant get injured, and yeah. they played. They should have played the Suns. So, yeah, that would have been a way more difficult matchup for them. I guess you know that's why they play the games. There's a there's an asterisk to every single finals. That's kind of why I bring that up. You can go you can go back through all the last 25 years and find your own asterisks to why the team won. So. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. <clears throat> um, but yeah, that's uh, our little Tatum Brown discussion. Now let's I do like the Warriors that. angle of it. That's kind of the Ooh. only other, only other angle there is. Yep. Uh, we talked at the beginning um, of our kind of finals preview a few episodes back about which team would have a bigger impact to their legacy if they won. And we both kind of agreed it would be the Celtics because getting that first championship for guys like Tatum and Brown, Horford, you know, all those guys, it means so much more. It puts you like in the, it really puts you in like a hall of fame potential when you're already on all-star run and you win that first ring, you know, um, the guys and the Warriors already had three championships. They were already solidified a dynasty. They're putting the icing on the cake if they get one more, but they, they lathered that icing on real nice <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and got that fourth one. So what, like, now that it actually happened, have you, like, kind of flipped and been like, wow, we were stupid to think this, this was more important for the Celtics. This is crazy. Curry has as many championships as LeBron now. Um, all this different stuff. Like, they did it without Durant. Curry got the finals MVP. There's kind of all these different legacy impacts that you can kind of write for the Warriors. So do you think that that legacy impact is bigger than we thought? Maybe we underestimated it. Um, and what are your thoughts on, on the impact overall? Um, I think, you know, when we were talking the other day about, at least this is what I said. Uh, don't put words in Jason's mouth. It's mine. I said, I think this is a really, really big point for Golden State because this is the beginning of the fall. At least for me. Looking at the age, like where things are going in the NBA, all the youth coming out, all these young players starting to become stars. 
Steph is old. As a point guard, you run a lot of miles. This is the start of the decline. Legacy-wise, I don't necessarily think this title changes anything for Golden State, right? We've already established Dynasty, right? Everyone was drafted. like It's like a beautiful like Cinderella story, right? But it sets them up for what is going to be legacy-defining, is if Golden State can get one more within the next like two to three years. Now that changes everything. Because at that point, Steph would have dominated like close to a decade. And he would have five rings. And I think that's where the legacy defining thing will change. So I will say overall, I think I think we kind of pushed it under the rug a little bit. Um, but I still think the Bo- if Boston would, they would have had a bigger impact this year for legacy, specifically, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Warriors are now set up to create possibly one of the most controversial conversations we're going to have, which is if Steph wins his fifth ring with Golden State, is he a top five player ever? I think he might already be. And see, that's the conversation that people are having because there, there's a split and torn moment right now. Where it's like, who would you who would you take off? We we did our top five players, you know. So it's like, who yeah. would you, who if you were saying people are saying he, he makes the list, it's like who would you, who do you take off? Like who were, who were your top five again? Uh, do you remember? Let's see. On top of my head, it was. Oh no no no! I know who I'd take off. I take off Shaq at five. Yeah. Oh yeah. You put Shaq right. Okay. I and Shaq. I think I had I had um, I had. Oh, you know what? I know what the debate is. I had because I had um, MJ, um, Kareem, LeBron, Bill Russell, and Kobe. Right. So I think the I big Kobe discussion, and Shaq. yeah, and the big discussion is, do you take Kobe off? I think because not a lot of people have Shaq. To be yeah, fair. yeah, and that's fair. It's that's like, fair. I think I think like my four aside from Kobe are kind of like the four. That's like the Mount Rushmore. You know, that being right. Michael Jordan. LeBron James, Bill Russell, and Kareem. That's like mm-hmm. the four best plays. Oh, you know, like the kind of like the consensus four best, four best players, players of all time. And it's like, who do you put in as five? Now it's like, I, you know, pe- people might not say Kobe. I think that's kind of insane, <laughs> you know? But well, a lot of people actually don't even have Kobe in their top, top five. I know. Like- I just, I just think it's stupid. Like, cause when you, we're not just taking into account the best. Like there, there is culture impact there, you know, like obviously Michael Jordan would have been the best, even if you take out the culture impact, but the reason no one's ever going to catch him, even if they also win six rings is because he's the fucking jump man logo. Right. Like you're not like, you're no one's ever going to catch him, you know, because of that on top of the basketball legacy, there's cultural like currency with it as mm-hmm. well i like uh, how you said that cult- cu- cultural currency that's very valid yeah so it's like and lebron has it too mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so it's not going anywhere where those two guys like owned a generation of sport like of owned a division of generation for sports like yeah like you, you know curry might be part of that and I think that's like where you can get when you add the cultural impact because of the threes, 
um, because of how much kids look up to him. Like, I think I just saw something on Reddit earlier about how he had the most like YouTube streams of any NBA player. It was Curry, like of like a little over a billion. And the next closest was John Morant. It was like almost like a little over half of what Curry had. It's like not even close. So it's like, yeah, if you just think about how much like Gen Z like loves Steph Curry, Steph Curry, it's just like he kind of might have, as I said, like the cultural currency to kind of slot in to fit. It's like this Kobe, because it's like <coughs> it kind of depends who you at what age per someone you ask. You know, so it's like you ask someone our age, they're gonna say Kobe for the fifth. You, you yeah. ask someone like in high school right now, they're probably gonna say Curry. Curry. It's like you ask someone who's ten years older than us, they're probably gonna be like, uh, you know, Shaq or Hakeem or you know, I don't know, it's like. Tim Duncan. Duncan. Like, yeah, Duncan's yeah, probably a fair, another fair one. Duncan has to... Dude, if Duncan's, Duncan's not in six. your conversation... Yeah, if he's not in your conversation for top five or he's not in your top ten, like... If Duncan's no. on your top ten, that's like... That's ridiculous. Ludicrous. That's ludicrous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has to be He has to be at least like six or seven. Like, can't take Timmy away from this. But, dude, that is crazy to really think about is like, yes, yeah, Steph... Steph can take that step onto that floor right like because cultural impact wise too the game has changed that's what's that's culture defining you know what i mean and with the other thing that i think too of why i would take Shaq out um even though i think he was the most dominant player in his prime the thing is it's not like everybody can do what Shaq does on some level there's no cultural relatability other than yeah there was there was this guy and he, he was, was just dominant right he was an animal and he couldn't be stopped because of his size, but not everyone can relate to that. And so with Curry's cultural impact and that cultural currency that you were talking about, I could clearly see him slotting at five. Um, yeah. And if he gets, dude, with the Lakers right now, you know, and with with whatever drama uh, LeGM has got going on, there could be a chance Steph ends with more rings than Braun. And we'll see. And LeBron, I mean, LeBron's not probably not playing for the Lakers after this season. I would, I would guess. And just you know, he wants to see where his kids can end up. Oh man, that's that's going to be uh, an interesting season. But dude, I don't, I don't care honestly, dude. Like I'm a Lakers fan. I think just to touch on that real quick, like a lot of Lakers fans are freaking out. But it's like, dude, if you're a Lakers fan, you're a fan of the Lakers. You're not a fan of LeBron. LeBron, like you have to be a fan. Of I the was team. nervous even when we traded for him. Because I loved all our young guys so much, like Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, and we know how good those guys turned out. So it's like, just you know, if if you're really with it, stay with it. If not, get the fuck out of here. Mm, yes, <laughs> yes. Go follow Braun wherever the fuck he goes. But just <laughs> go. Just I liked what you touched on um, with the beginning of the fall for the Warriors, and I yeah. as you were talking about that, I pulled up their kind of salary cap going forward for the next few years. Steph Curry's thirty four. Um, Clay's 32. I didn't look at Draymond um, as part of this yet, but Steph has signed then his age 36 season, which would be 24, 25. He's set to make 55 million. And the only other salaries on the books for the Warriors at that point will be Kuminga and Moody. Um, and those, I'm pretty sure those are team options even, which I'm sure they'll accept. But uh, then the cap holds, you'd have um, pending free agents at that point would be Draymond and Clay. And they're 
you'd have their bird rights over there. The cat figures are ridiculous. They're both over 40 million. So it's like, then you get into different questions like with, can they, can they even retain Andrew Wiggins after this next season? Um, Cause they, they already, already pay so much money in the luxury tax where they make a lot of money. Those owners own their stadium outright and, and they make a lot of money, right. From, from the, just the warriors in general. So they can afford it, but it's like they want to make a lot of money. I'm sure on this too. Like they, they, they do this business to turn profit. So it's like, um, how much longer do they want to pay that repeater tax? It's going to get super expensive the longer they do it. Wiggins, they probably can't keep. So it's like it's going to be super interesting. Like the way they were able to maneuver and get Wiggins in the first place was like a masterclass in in um, financial flexibility, right? Where they got Russell and moved him. So it's like. What are they going to do? To f- I have no doubt that they find a way to maneuver out of it and and end up still competitive. But it's just like how? How are they going to do it? I yeah, and and then the huge X factor this off season is Jordan Poole, obviously, who's played out of his mind. And no matter what people say, all I can say is if you can be a starter for more than half a season and then come off the bench and still be nearly as effective, I don't care who you are, you're going to get the fucking bag. So. That's where it's like, that's more of my biggest question is like, where do the Warriors truly value pool? And what do the Warriors value with clay too? Because I think there's going to be questions about clay and his role on the team if they maintain pool. Yeah. Also, I have a question. Mm-hmm. I think this is a very nice way to put it because the, the Warriors get a lot of comparisons to the Spurs. It just has a franchise, mm-hmm. right? the way they were able to kind of bring a lot of moving pieces and maintain their culture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the Spurs won championships in 1999. This is kind of when the Duncan, Duncan um, started. generation started. 1999, yeah. 2003. Let's compare that to the Warriors now, right? 2015, then 2017, right? Then the... Spurs win in 2005 and 2006. The Warriors get 2018 and they get um, 2022 now. So it's kind of like the inverse, right? Where they, instead of doing the back-to-back at the end, they kind of like did it in a different order, but it's like they got there four. Then eight years go by and the Spurs get one in 2014. So it's like the question now is, it's not going to be eight years. These guys will be retired in eight years for the Warriors. But can three years go by? Can in that window, is this window three or four years, like you're saying, and they can get the fifth, the 2014 Spurs-esque title with all the old guys? Like, or was this the 2014 title? You know? I think that's the fun way to look at it. That's a really cool way to look at it, dude. And Because dude, it has the vibe. This This year has the vibe of all the old guys winning it. The band's back. We're doing yeah. what we do, right? That was kind of how the, all their celebrations, the whole vibe of it was, you know, all the right. families up there and stuff. So we'll see, man. I don't know. If wow. if I had to put money on it, I don't think they'll get another one. The NBA you know, is just too good. I don't know, man. If I had to just like think about it, it's a, it's a one, in, one in 30 chance and every team is getting better. Like, dude, the Bucks, like the Bucks, are fucking insane. Imagine if they went against the Bucks. Shit. Like, you think? Do you think Draymond stopping Giannis when he's thirty-five next year? I don't think so. 
dude the age i know that's what I i'm know. saying you have to factor all of it in so it's just like i don't i if i was gonna i'm not gonna bet against the warriors right now, like in that way like betting that they don't win the battle i don't know if you can even do that but like if i had to put money on it i would say that they're you probably set the over under at 0.5 and I, i'll take that under mm. Mm. see that's where i'm the same way as i would never bet against the warriors and i still think they have they have a chance i think it became slimmer chance you know no no but it, like, it became like exponentially slimmer like after this title age factors into it right as i mentioned earlier young players in the league kind of forming their own teams really starting to push right and i think matchup wise too it's like in a sense like for the last like i wouldn't say two years but before that the past like four or five years was trying to match up against the warriors find lengthy defenders and that's kind of like all over the league now too and I think matchup-wise, Golden State doesn't match up nearly as well as they did back in the day, um, which is going to be very hard for them to overcome. Um, and you're right. Like, there's probably a slim chance, and this probably is their last ring, but the fact that they opened the gate to get to that fifth, I think might be the driving reason they win one more championship. Yeah. Hey, well, yeah. hey, it's not off the table. It's absolutely mm-hmm. not off the table. Yeah. It's yeah, that yeah. they're a dynasty for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of skip through some of the fast break points. I'm just going to read them all off, um, just to kind of real quick. And you let me know if you like have any comments at the end. Okay. Um, Sounds good. And then we'll do our, uh, draft prospects four through six, a little, a little bit of a, a dive there, but let's just hit these real quick. We had our first trade here as the NBA off season begins. Christian Wood of the Houston Rockets was traded to the Dallas Mavericks in return for the 26th pick and a few players, including Boban, Trey Burke, Marcus Chris, and Boban, I think is the only one really of note. Um, and over in Philly, James Harden is expected to re-sign on a short-term deal, uh, kind of aligned with the Embiid timeline. I'd imagine that's going to be a, a one-and-one player option. Um, and then Portland has been determined to not be a real landing spot for DeAndre Ayton, unfortunately. Um, they're more focused on uh, if they are to make a deal, bringing in OG and Anobi, or moving back in the draft to acquire more talent that's aligned with Dame's timeline. Um, whether that's something like the trade I've heard floated around would be trading the number seven pick to move back to 12 and getting Lugan Stort from uh, the Thunder. Uh, the other thing that I've heard is that Shaden Sharp is not performing well in workouts and could be dropping in the draft. Um so Shit. with that being said, is there anything out of those four pieces of news that that you have comments on? Dude, what I fear most, um, let's just talk about the draft pick, Shaden. So Shaden didn't play much. And what kind of ends up happening when you have like an extreme talent, because Shaden is talented on the offensive end. Like he is, he's a bucket getter. Just by definition, he's a bucket getter. The problem is if you don't perform well in pre-workouts or you don't have enough film, you can kind of drop. And the problem with like offensive talents is ideally you get drafted higher so that you can get more minutes to prove your playing time. Now, if you kind of 
look at where the news is going, I did not know he was not performing well. And that changes things because if he drops farther down in the draft, he could potentially get drafted by somebody that doesn't want to give him very many minutes. And the development could be stunted. And I think that someone, for example, that I think's development has always been stunted was like Cam Reddish. I think Cam Reddish is a good player and a really good 3 and D player when, he, when he's in rhythm, but he never gets consistent minutes. And I feel like there, there might be a chance that Shaden Sharp, as good as he is, might not see as much playing time in the NBA for the first few years of his career than he thinks. And if, if he's performing bad in tryouts, dude, he can drop pretty far because there's some pretty um, consistent players. Uh, in the draft this year. And uh, Shaden's probably one of the most inconsistent just because of lack of film and just his, just his game. That's all I got to say. No, absolutely. Um, I completely agree with everything you said. And it's, it's, I think it's just another, another reason Jerry, why you see all these different places that high school guys can go now to showcase their talents, right? It's like, why would you sit out the whole season? Why did you go to Kentucky if you weren't going to play at all. So just like it raises all these interesting red flags. He's also someone who bounced around high schools. So it's like, dude, like if you, if, why didn't you just go to the G league? If you, you know, or why don't you just go do whatever you want, actually wanted to do. So it's I just, know. I don't know. It doesn't really make sense to me. Um, with that being said, I do have him currently seventh on my board. And me I too. currently have him. I currently have him going fifth to the Pistons. I'm a mock draft V1 V2 will be uh, worked on this weekend, by the way. Oh, I have them. I have them sixth on my big board, but I have them going seventh in your draft in my draft. Yep. Gotcha. To Portland. To Portland. Yep. So that's why you're worried about that. Yeah. I mean, dude, Shane <laughs> Sharp, I mean, he does fit a very good kind of two role athletic you know, it just, it no, works out with Portland. Yeah, so he's the so kind of guy I can imagine they've been wanting for a while. Yep. But, <laughs> <laughs> but let's, uh, let's, so this is going to be based on big board again. So last episode, we talked a lot about the top three guys in the draft, right? Jabari, mm-hmm. Paolo, and Chet. Um, what I want to do now is kind of talk about our opinions on four, five, six, because this is where it gets super open, right? And then there's a lot of varying opinions. Um, the group think is kind of starting to settle in. If you go Google different mock drafts, you know, they're kind of starting to see some of the same things that happens every year, but this is really where it opens up. Um, there could be trades. Sacramento's pick is on the table. Detroit's pick is on the table. Even Indiana's pick is on the table. So it's super interesting. Anything can happen here. And what I want to do is, um, with each of our respective guys, right. Mm -hmm. On the, on our big boards, uh, let's say why we have them ranked there, what we like about their game, one shortcoming, um, and then a couple teams we would like to see them go to and where we have them on the mock, right? Right. So I'll let you start off. Who is your number four prospect? Uh, on my big board, right? On the big board, yes. On the big board, I have I have Keegan Murray. Um, this is just... Um, it's it's really a size thing for me because what kind of sucks is I was torn between him and Ivy. Uh, but the development and the progress that Murray made 
his versatility, his kind of all-around weaponry, which I think Ivy has um, a really, really big hole in his game. And everybody knows this. It's The mid-range game is not existent. And the thing about Keegan is he can kind of do a little bit of everything. And I just think with the weight that you can get from that and that size, I, I think big board draft, I would have Keegan. Um, okay. And what do you think is like a shortcoming or a weakness in his game? And what are a couple teams you'd like to see him go to and where you have him mocked? Um, I think one, one thing is like with Keegan, he plays, he plays smaller than he is a little bit at times with his size. That's the thing like on offense he has a lot of like mobility, but sometimes he can be a little inconsistent. And that's where it's just like that kind of disparity of like not being as aggressive. Cause I think Keegan is really good when he drives to the rim with his size and scoring ability. But uh, yeah, it's just like, sometimes he's like a little inconsistent if anything, but okay. that's just like him growing into a second year player. You know what I mean? And like he obviously made huge jumps. So I'm not trying to say that that's like by definition what he is, but he was inconsistent at some points during the season. And his age too, right? Like he's an older prospect. You know what? I didn't even think about that. That's actually a great point. He is pretty damn old too. You know, yeah, 22, 22 already. Yeah, 22. And I don't know, like on, on the defensive end, he's pretty lengthy. Um, but sometimes not exactly the most consistent defender. I think he jumps balls a lot. You know what I mean? Gambles a lot. Um, gotcha. I think, but that's just learning curve. So for sure. No, number, number four on my board. I, I like you said, I, I've got Jaden Ivy. Um, yeah, he's good. He's good. He's, he's really good. Yeah. Um, I was a little skeptical of him at first. And then like, when I'd say like way back, like when I first heard about him months ago, and I remember watching a Purdue game in March Madness, and he was fucking insane. Like, how you feel... I'm not, like, comparing him. There are the comparisons there, right? People compare him to John Morant. But where the comparison is true is he does some things that make you feel insane when you're watching that. Like, just, like, athletic feats that make you feel some type of way when you're watching him. Um. I think like Ryan Rosillo, I was listening to him do some draft stuff and he was saying he, he keeps watching uh, one of Ivy's miss dunks. It's such a, uh, it's such a highlight. He can't even stop watching one of the miss dunks he has. So I think that just like is, it goes to show, right? Mm -hmm. What an athlete this guy is. But the reason I really like him is I see a lot of Donovan Mitchell in his game. Um, I think he gets to the free throw line a lot better then Donovan Mitchell I actually did a dive in, in their college stats because um, Donovan Mitchell was also in college for two years. I wanted to see how they, what their jumps look like because they both took pretty extreme jumps in both offensive role and production. So I think it's a, it's a pretty unique, or not, not unique, but pretty fair comparison. It's a popular comparison, but it's really fair because I think they're also going to face similar roles if Ivy has success in the NBA. Right? That should be a guy he's trying to compare himself to. Um, and the other like weakness, if I was going to say a weakness, he does share another similarity with Mitchell in that he doesn't play defense a lot, <laughs> you know, 
he falls asleep on defense. He doesn't play off ball. He's not active, right? So that's something he's going to need to work on. Um, but he had a higher free throw rate, right? So I think like higher free throw rate, he, he drove to the hoop a lot more. Um, Diamond Mitchell's three-point rate was a lot higher. Those are kind of the, the things I was looking at. But Ivy's a better shooter. So it's like the way I read that is he has better shot selection but knows his jump shot's still a weapon. Right. So he knows to go downhill first, kind of similar to what I was saying about Jalen Brown, like what I like about his game. Right. Mm -hmm. I like that he actually gets downhill first and establishes that and then knows he can get to his jumper. Right. Um, But that's my guy. I'd like I right now have a mock to the Kings, but I'd actually like him to go to OKC somehow. Like, I, I don't know if that's possible, but like that's like, I think, a really cool fit him and Shea. Uh, and Giddy and like a, they did the three guard thing with with the uh, Shea Paul and Schroeder a few years back, and I think it would be so cool if they did that again, and we're somehow able to get a big as well in this draft. And it's like that's the way they roll going forward. It'd just be so electric and really fun to watch. Like, that's a league pass team. Yeah, because Shea, the thing about Shea and Giddy is they're both really big for guards. So exactly. you could obviously move them. It would be an adjustment on the defensive end for sure. I don't think they'd yeah, be playing. They've also play both proven defense. they can play off ball too. Yeah. Yeah. So I was cool. going to say offensively, I think a lot of things could work out there. That's really, really cool. I, dude, I really like Jaden Ivy too. I think he has something in him. He's going to spark the league. Um, but I told you, you know, like my biggest concern is really with the mid range, like no real like one, two step game really coming into the mid-range. It's really floaters, layups, and threes. And that kind of diet promotes two things. It either promotes like a shot chucker that's settling, or it's going to develop someone that creates more offensive weapons around him. Uh, And, you know, in himself. Uh, I will say the cool thing is I didn't really relate Jaden Ivey to Donovan Mitchell at all, but I can completely see the similarities and Jaden Ivy would have the most success going downhill first and being the kickout passer. The thing is he's, he's pretty like shot orientated, dude. He's like, he's like a shot first kind of guy. And I think that's something that Mitchell though. Yeah. And Mitchell is too. Yeah. So I'm saying like, you know, like that's going to be an adjustment for him because the one thing about Jaden Ivy, he's really good off the ball too. And, you know, we've stated that already, but, having that flexibility at the guard position is going to be really, really cool because he can be slightly more plug and play. If, if he does go to a team with established ball handler, I know Ivy's going to be able to get a shot, which I think is going to be really, really interesting because it's never, it's not like a win lose scenario. It's a win win, no matter what. It's just a matter of like, you know, those those little nitpicks that we have of his game. But Jaden Ivey is definitely in any other draft could have been top three, you know? For sure. I think the other cool team, I don't want to spend more time on it, but if he ends up dropping to five and going to the Pistons and playing with Cade, that's super sick. That's where I have him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's on the table too. Yeah. I have him going to the Kings just because I think they, they have to take best player available. I just, yeah. You know. Yeah, understood. Um, and because and they're fucking idiots and never draft properly. So I think that's a super Kings move. Yep. But um, I'm assuming you have Ivy fifth. Yep. Okay. So we don't need to spend more time talking Mm-mm. about him. Um, I had Keegan Murray fifth. So that's perfect. And you, you touched on a lot for him. I will say um, you didn't mention any teams you wanted to see Keegan Murray go to. Um, oh. Or do you have him mocked? And like, if you, what's like a couple dream scenarios for him, in your opinion? 
Okay, so I have a mocked at four. Uh, okay. That's a good but, fit. Yeah, I, I just think, yeah, with the Kings, I think he would be a really good fit with Sabonis, athletically speaking, like a lot of cutting, you know, a lot of like sc- screens that he can run through and he can set. I think it's just like a good fit for him. At I four. like that too. I, I think um, any of the any team four through seven that gets Keegan Murray is an amazing fit. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not going to lie. Keegan Murray is a really, really good fit in Portland. I'm not trying to be biased, but he fits such a good role um, with with defensive potential because, like, he gambles a lot because he, he knows he's lengthy enough to get there. You know what I mean? He's like six but foot ten, isn't he? He's, uh, if I remember correctly, I think he's six foot seven, six foot eight. Oh, really? Yeah. Wait. Let me let me let me double check here. Let me double check. No, he's uh, yeah, he's six eight, six eight in shoes. But like, you know what I mean? Like Portland always needs long defensive wings, but like Keegan can actually be so off ball, but he's like a good cutter and he's like he moves around a lot on offense, which I think is something the Blazers have always needed out of a player. I agree. So I agree. So um. <clears throat> let's move on to um number six on your board because it's probably where we have a little dis- I think we have a little disparity but maybe I'm just remembering wrong I have Benedict Mather in number six I have Benedict Mather in mother six as well cool cool yeah. well, let's fucking let's geek on Matherin dude because I this is like my draft crush oh like okay. whatever team like it doesn't matter whatever team he goes to I will have to be a fan of and watch a lot of because I need to know how he's doing. I love Benedict Matherin. Like I watched interviews of this kid. He's he's super cool in interviews, <laughs> and he's his game is just super cool too, dude. Like I don't know what was uh what was your like comparison? Who do you like? Whose game do you see for Matherin when you watch him play in the highlights and stuff? It's kind of hard because he's like super explosive and rim running for the forward position. Can I give you one? Yeah, give me one. Do you not see the all-star version of Victor Oladipo? It's there, right? It's I could I could see it working. I mean, one thing though is like I think I think the thing with the difference between Oladipo and Matherin, though, but Oladipo didn't have this when he when he got drafted was a handle, right? That's like the one thing with Benedict's game, right? Where it's like, dude, this man is a fucking athlete. Can he explode to the rim? Can he do amazing things? He's an acrobat. He's a great but, shooter too, and he's he's amazing shooter as well. So off he's the got, catch, off the dribble, he's got the whole offensive package without shot creation for himself. I think Oladipo, his all-star season, had the ball in his hands a lot creating the offense, right? But I'm if he can about the get way, there, Dude, I'm talking about the way he moves and the type of shots he gets is so Oladipo-esque. Mm. You know? Like, and the dunks he can get, like the way he elevates, super similar to Oladipo. I think he has the ability to... to to handle the ball a little bit more with some with, with some more work. I think you're going to see it in a couple seasons where he's right. You know, I think another good comparison maybe would be like early Paul George. He's smaller, of course, like an early sh- like mini Paul George. 
Is that like maybe better? That is, that is, in my opinion, a little bit more accurate. One thing that I think Matherin is going to be able to develop, though, is the thing that we're talking about, right? Shot creation for himself and ball handle. Um, I was just looking at his specs and just reading over real quick um, his size. He has a little bit of a smaller wingspan. Um, I think that translates to him being a slightly better shooter uh, for his size, and I think that will also promote better ball handling. If you have stupid lengthy arms, it's kind of hard to, like, create your own shot you know so it's just a matter of him i think developing his handle with that advantage even though it can be a disadvantage at times like in terms of creating for himself i can see that happening um but matherin dude i i really want him to go to portland like super bad um but just comparing him because i had sharp at seven i was just kind of like matherin is more of like I'd say a sure thing, right? And there's no way that he would drop. So unfortunately, this is mock draft. I had him at six, but big board two, I had him at six as well. So this is interesting. I have him at six in my big board, right? Mm. But my mock draft, I have him going eight. Do you Just have- because I think some teams are going to pass on him because they're worried about like him being Ben McElmore. Um, and I and like I understand the hesitation, right? Because it's a lot of the same critiques. I think he's a better shooter than Macklemore ever was, right? Already, and I think he's a little bit more dynamic already as a ball handler. But I think some teams are going to be worried about it, right? And I think if he can fall, if he can fall to the Blazers, that's great. But if he can fall to the Pelicans, that would be super sick. I I really don't want the Pelicans. I don't want any young teams to get even sexier pieces. You know what I mean? Like, please. Because <laughs> imagine, imagine if he can roll out, like, with CJ, CJ, and Herb, and, and Herb, Zion, yeah, and and Jonas, whoever. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. It's just like such a it's such a cool. I'm just trying to get their bench guys too, mm-hmm. like Jose, because he'll be with the bench. But it's such yeah. a it's gonna be something could be such a cool way to develop. Uh, Willie Green played the same position um, when he was a player too, and was a really good defender. I think he would be a, just able to develop amazingly in in, in that situation. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I knew my draft crush to be in a good situation, so. I think it'd be cool to see him end up there. Yeah. But yeah. That's uh that's it for me on draft stuff. Any any other any other guys? I mean, we don't need to to to, to do any other slots here, but like anyone else that like you think should like could maybe be floating up into that range that you have a little bit lower that you like want like you want to put them higher, but for some reason you're not. Oh, Dyson Daniels is one. Um, I kind of feel that too. I'm worried about the jumper too much. Dude, he's a pretty bad shooter. Um, it's really gross. The thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I, I guess the thing is, though, is like everything else about his game is pretty fucking good. Like, right. but shooting touch is such an important indicator of scoring output in the league now. 
and it's like damn like didn't he shoot like 29 percent from three something like that dude. it was it, it was, was bad. it's not pretty His form changes a lot shot to shot which is never good you know terrible mechanics and that's where i could see if there was a team that asked him not to score but facilitate play defense and do all the like little intangible things and they like you know whoever asked for that and wanted a ball handler i could see him moving up but i think the the benefits of all these other players around him just basically having some form of shooting touch and they're all athletic like it's kind of like a more surefire thing with them than with da- Dyson Daniels but I think he could be I think he he's going to be one of the players that will fluctuate in the draft a little bit on draft night De- you know what I mean definitely I think like that's one of the guys that some team could fall in love for and trade up for you know or something mm-hmm. anything like that too um but yeah no hey dude good good draft discussion and like I said this is super fluid I think we'll both be working on new versions of this as we get into like actual draft week rumors gonna be flying. The finals are over. Um, so we'll keep updating this and and I'm sure we'll, um, we'll be communicating in, in some, some way or another. Um, but just wanted to kind of give some, some housekeeping updates on, on 808s and fast breaks in general oh, yeah. um, as, as we close out here. So NBA season is over. Um, if you've been listening to any of the 16 episodes prior to number 17 here, thank you so much. This has been a fun little ride. I know uh, we're not super big. We don't have the big view, like listener base or anything like that, but we appreciate those who, who listen to it every week or every time we post and, and share the episodes. And we're going to be working super hard uh, over the next coming weeks to, to bring some new content as the NBA season is over and also work on improving what we're able to do as we get into the next NBA season. Um, So we're going to be kind of doing a a state of the union review um, recap of, of us next week um, and doing an episode uh, live where we just kind of talk about what we liked about doing this, what we didn't like about doing this, how we're going to get better, um, what plans we have kind of just brainstorm what we can do. And we thought it'd be cool to just like record that and capture it. So we're going to do that next week. Um, and then throughout the summer, our idea is to to focus on an artist a week um, and do a deep dive into their music and then come on after that week and kind of just do a deep dive and have a bunch of different segments and just kind of vibe out and talk about all all angles of that artist and and our relationship with them. Um, but yeah, that's, we have some fun plans going forward. I'm super excited about it. Um, yes, this sir. has just kind of been a, a fun little ride, a fun project. And the way I see it, Andy, it's, it's, uh, it's only getting better. Oh yeah. Every time. And I think moving forward, we've talked about this before, but eventually it's just like, as much as we love ball and we talk about ball and still like, my favorite sport, I'm sure, is Jason's favorite sport still. There, um, I think there's a lot going on in the world other than just the world of basketball. And I think it's cool for us to be able to branch out and actually let our minds run a little bit and, you know, get the feedback from other people. Like, you know, like we are, we are 808s and fast breaks. Um, 808s, obviously, an homage to the TR-808, but more so just to reflect our music taste as well. 
And so we hope that we can bring uh, an interesting perspective for anyone that is an avid music listener, you know, and just deep diving into cultural impact of some of the greatest artists to ever live, I'm sure, that we're going to be listening to. Yeah, it'll be a fun list. And if anyone, uh, if anyone's listening to this and, and made it to minute 67 of this podcast, uh, one shout out to you. Good God. Uh, but also give us a, give us any, any ideas you have like for artists, like generational artists. Um, we're going to pick 10, I think. So we already kind of have a couple slotted in, I think maybe Kanye, Drake, um, Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean. And that's there's seven more slots, so we'd like to get some variety in the genre. Um, I hope so. If you have ideas, uh, shoot them over to me or Andy. We'd we'd really appreciate it. Yep, yep, uh, that'd but, be great. But yeah, that's uh that's it for episode seventeen here. Again, congratulations to the Golden State Warriors on on another championship. Hang that banner, and uh, we'll be back talking basketball sooner than people think because you know even though the season's over free agency is in three weeks the draft is in six days uh we'll be back at it sooner than people think that this yep. shit don't really stop mm-hmm. but <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll close out there um thanks for listening again and uh have a good one everyone thank you cheers, cheers.